It's Monday, October the 19th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Europe struggles with coronavirus and China shrugs it off. First, the world in brief. European countries continue to struggle with the resurgent coronavirus. A month-long nighttime curfew came into force in many French cities, with Italy imposing new restrictions and Ireland to announce more today. On Sunday, Italy registered 11,705 new cases, a daily record for the country. Meanwhile in Prague, thousands of Czechs rallied against stricter measures, clashing with riot police. Local leaders in the north of England rejected plans by the government in London to impose stricter limits on socialising without better financial support for businesses. China continued to escape the worst effects of the ravaged world economy, announcing that its GDP grew by 4.9% in the third quarter year-on-year. Both imports and exports grew impressively in September compared with 12 months ago. Armenia claimed that Azerbaijan broke a ceasefire agreement four minutes after it came into force on Sunday, firing rockets and shells in the disputed region of Nagorno-Karabakh. Azerbaijan later accused Armenia of breaking the truce after just two minutes. Fighting in Nagorno-Karabakh, which is mostly populated by ethnic Armenians but recognised as part of Azerbaijan, has killed hundreds of people in the past month. Tens of thousands of protesters took to the streets of Bangkok, defying the Thai government's ban on demonstrations. Democracy activists want the government to resign and curbs on the monarchy's power. Insulting the king carries a prison sentence of up to 15 years. At least 80 protesters have been arrested in the past week, according to human rights organisations. People across France attended rallies to remember Samuel Paty, a teacher who was beheaded on Friday in Paris in what President Emmanuel Macron called an Islamist terrorist attack. His killer, an 18-year-old Chechen, was shot dead by police. Mr Paty had shown cartoons of the Prophet Muhammad to pupils during a lesson on freedom of speech. 11 people have been arrested over the murder. Iran's foreign minister proclaimed a momentous day on Sunday after the United Nations arms embargo expired. Its cessation was scheduled in the nuclear deal signed between Iran and international powers, from which America withdrew in 2018. The Trump administration's efforts to extend the embargo were defeated at the UN in August. Its dire finances mean Iran is unlikely to splurge on weapons soon. And American Airlines plans to allow passengers to book flights on Boeing 737 MAX planes later this month. All of the aircraft were grounded last year after two crashes caused partly by a software flaw killed 346 people. The Federal Aviation Administration is expected to certify the model as safe again as early as next month. And now here's today's agenda. Changing state. Democratic hopes in Georgia. The last Democratic presidential candidate to win Georgia was Bill Clinton in 1992. This year, the party has high hopes, not just for the state's 16 electoral college votes, but also for its two Senate seats. Over the past 30 years, Georgia's population has become more racially diverse and younger. Donald Trump won the state by five points in 2016. The Economist's forecast has him only slightly ahead of Joe Biden today. The Senate races are close too. The Democratic candidate is behind in one. In the other, the Republican vote is largely split between two candidates, putting Raphael Warnock, a Democrat, ahead, though still short of the more than 50% support required to avoid a runoff. Today, hopefuls for one seat will face off in a televised debate. 
In Macon, Georgia on Friday, Donald Trump sounded confident of victory. His fellow Republican candidates in the state, who have lashed themselves to the president's coattails, hope he is right. Parallel Universe China's Growth A post-pandemic recovery feels like a distant dream for much of the world. China is the big exception. Not only is its economy growing, but it has nearly returned to its pre-COVID pace. Data published today show that GDP in the third quarter expanded by 4.9% compared with a year earlier. Until vaccines are rolled out, other countries will struggle to match China's feet. It got one critical thing right. By almost entirely stamping out the virus, it has been able to allow activity to resume with few restrictions in place. Schools are fully open, factories are running at full tilt, and shopping malls are bustling. China is also fortunate in one critical dimension. As a continent-sized economy, it is better insulated from weak global demand than smaller countries, such as New Zealand, that have also done a good job of containing COVID-19. Papa's got a pre-used bag. New York's plastic ban. From today, retailers in New York State who are caught distributing plastic bags will be fined. Except, that is, if the offending bags hold only meat, fish, loose veg or sliced foods. Plastic is also fine for medicines, clothes and newspapers. Exemptions aside, the effectiveness of such bans is up for debate. The environmental impact of all bags made of plastic, paper, cotton or recycled material depends on factors including the thickness of the material and whether the bag ends up in landfill, incinerators or the oceans. In landfill sites, where most waste goes in New York, Decomposing paper bags produce more greenhouse gas emissions than do plastic ones. But plastic bag sin is to litter landscapes and pollute wildlife. The only solution there is is to stop using them. The ban's impact will depend on whether New Yorkers stick to what is fast becoming a mantra. The best bag is the one you already have at home. Rage against rape. Rallies in Bangladesh. Ministers hoped a small change to the law, adding the death penalty for all lone rapists as well as all gang rapists, would placate public outrage. No such luck. Nationwide protests, which erupted on October 5th after a video showing a gang's sexual assault went viral, enter a third week today. If the protesters cannot be satisfied, neither are they easy to suppress. On Saturday, local police beat protesters walking the 160 kilometres from Dhaka, the capital, to Nokali, where the attack took place. The bloody dissenters marched on. Their defiance, rare in authoritarian Bangladesh, points to anger not only over sexual violence, but also over the government's response, labelled by women's rights organisations as inadequate and misguided. Across the border, India too is debating making the offence a capital one, after the gang rape and murder of a low-caste Hindu woman in the northern state of Uttar Pradesh. Killing rapists makes governments appear purposeful, says activists, but it does not stop the crime. Venturing out. Suga in Southeast Asia. Japan's Prime Minister Yoshihide Suga travels to Vietnam and Indonesia this week, his first foreign visit since taking office on September 16th. The trip provides a welcome respite from domestic politics. Controversy over blocked appointments to a government advisory panel has dragged his cabinet's approval rating down by six points to 60.5%. Mr Suga has pledged to continue the foreign policy of his predecessor, Abe Shinzo, which includes building ties with Southeast Asian nations, wary of growing Chinese assertiveness. 
This week, he will discuss Japanese investment in infrastructure and manufacturing, the management of COVID-19, and possible arms exports to Vietnam. Over the weekend, Mr. Suga carried on another of Mr. Abe's traditions by sending an offering to the Autumn Festival at the controversial Yasukuni Shrine, which honours Japanese war dead, including 14 high-ranking war criminals. Mr. Suga did not, however, visit the shrine in person, as Mr. Abe did in 2013. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Edna St. Vincent Millay, who died on this day in 1950. Life was not so much one damn thing after another, as one damn thing over and over. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.